The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast, always presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one rated sportsbook app. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. You know, I got a bunch of podcasts, Andrew Brandt. Hopped on the Ross Tucker football podcast today. Joe Dolan will go over his wide receiver tiers, which are absolutely critical for you fantasy football players on tomorrow's Fantasy Feast podcast. Today, though, we've got a guest I am very excited about to join me and Steve. Cousin Sal, at the Cousin Sal, is his Twitter handle. He is... The man behind the new Extra Points Podcast Network. So he's having a couple different podcasts where he bet wasn't enough. He had to start a whole new podcast network. He talk about betting more. What's up, Sal? What's happening, Ross? I appreciate you having me on. Boy, Even Money Podcast is a great name. I can't, How much do you want for that? I, I, I need to have that name. What do you, what do you need? Uh, probably a lot at this point because okay. we have a pretty good track record. <laughs> like we we literally Sal went over our numbers over the last four years. Last really? Week. So we have a pretty good track record. So probably a lot. I don't know, Steve. Did you come up with even money? I can't remember. I, I did not, but I love the connotation. Of course, when you're playing blackjack and you get a natural, the dealer puts an ace up. You don't even sweat it. You just say, "Pay me even money." It's great. It's all anybody ever longs for, right? Even money. I, I take even less than even money most of the time. But yeah, it's uh, well, congratulations to you guys. And yes, I uh, I started something myself. I, I realize now I don't have five hours a week in me to talk about stuff, but it's too late. There's no turning back. <laughs> I, have to, I have to go on with these dumb uh, podcasts, not yours. Mine. <laughs> awesome. Well, check him out. Like I said, at The Cousin Sal on Twitter. I'm sure a lot of you are already familiar with the stuff from The Ringer and the new podcast. He's doing the show with our buddy Dave Damashek. So yeah. um, I actually listened a couple times already. It's a good it's a good listen. I like I can't remember what you guys are talking about, but it's a good listen. Um, well, you, could, you, you don't have to remember. You could just assume that it was uh, cherry cake donuts and the fruit of the year because we, can't, we don't seem to be able to get off that topic uh, and, uh, and pivot to sports world. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's Dave Damashek. He's great. Charlotte Wilder is on our uh, – flagship show extra points and then there's against all odds and 
There's a comedy show. There's a lot of craziness going on. Love it, Sal. Also love my guy, Steve Fezzik. I didn't properly introduce him. I think a lot of people, if you listen to the show, you're familiar. He is the star of the show. I'm just the former jock that's gotten lucky three out of the last four years. Steve, like, does this for a living. I give you the insight as a player. Steve just gives you the absolute numbers, the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football, betting the Super Contest at the Westgate Casino. And as you guys heard last week, we are 58% or 57% on our best bets over the last three years and up a combined 124 units Mm. over the last four years. So tell your brothers, tell your mothers, tell everybody that they need to listen to this show. Uh, What I do say, though, Sal, is I'm not great when it comes to other sports at all. I lean heavily on Steve. But I also lean on people like you, Sal. I see your tweets. I know you're on it. So now that we're in a time we've never been in before, Uh with MLB and NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, give me a bubble observation or a hockey observation. Give me something that, that you've noticed that you're betting on, that people listening or watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL can take action on. Well, first of all, uh, I should comment on the most recent turn of events, and I'm sure Steve is all over this. The favorites yesterday, NHL, NBA, MLB, 20-1. and 20-1 the favorites were yesterday. And that's un- I don't remember that in my lifetime at all. And I like the Miami Heat today. I like the Lakers today. But it makes me say, no way. You know how it is. The gambling gods don't let you have 24 hours of relief as a, as a better. So – um, if you like favorites. So I kind of think there's going to be upsets all day today. Um, in general, I feel like in the NBA bubble, it's it's hard to stop. That sounds stupid, but it's hard to stop everybody's best player. Like, I'm not sure that teams are defending like they used to. Not that there was ever um, like 80s basketball, you know, recently. But th- the fact that Donovan Mitchell could get to the rim every single time, that's going to make that series with uh, Denver tough. And, you know, I feel the same way about Kawhi, obviously, and we're going to see LeBron tonight. But I feel like overs are going to be more in play because there's going to be a little less defense played. And we're seeing this in Portland. We're going to see this in Dallas and teams like that. So I'm curious to think yours and, and Steve's thoughts. All right. Well, Steve, why don't we start with the, what, what Sal said about the favorites? Because I saw you were tweeting about that. Oh. Yeah. So 20 and one for the favorites yesterday. Uh, that is unprecedented. Just to go 10-0 if it was a coin flip is a 1,000-to-1 proposition. So think about it. The one loss was an early game. The Cardinals beat the Cubs. That was a 215 Pacific start. So right. if you're a sports book and the public just comes up and parlays everything, you got annihilated yesterday. You win almost every other day, but yesterday <laughs> was, was certainly ugly. You know, regarding what Cousin Sal said, I think it's important to note, it's not so much that the – um, things have to balance out day to day, but things are different today than they were yesterday. Everyone who bet the favorites won. So what has happened? The point spread tax has gone up on all the favorites. If you look at all these NBA teams today, Milwaukee is up to 13, a point higher than yesterday. The Lakers are up to six and a half, a point higher. Miami's four and a half. This is not a coincidence. Because the favorites did so well yesterday, you're paying more on the point spread today, so it makes it much more difficult to win. And so just a pro tip, after yesterday, you knew these point spreads were going to inflate. 
If you wanted to bet all these teams, if you wanted to bet the Lakers, if you wanted to bet Milwaukee, I bet Milwaukee yesterday, you should have done it last night or yesterday because now it's, I would argue it's too late. The tax is too high on those teams. Yeah. <clears throat> and Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, but typically the way it goes is like Toronto blows out the Nets. The next game, the spread is actually a little lower because they the the books count on a bounce back from the underdog, but they're not going to allow you that, afford you that opportunity because of everything that happened yesterday, right? There's kind of tax across the board on the favorite. It's a great point. So you got two uh, factors going in opposite directions. You've got the zigzag game two, all things being equal when you get a team that doesn't cover game one, the dog, uh, even if they get blown out, if they were getting 11 in the first game, then they're only getting 10 in game two. How can that be because of the zigzag? But now mm -hmm. with favorites doing so well, I think that that's going to offset the difference. And I think on average, we're probably going to see these game two spreads comparable to what we saw game one. Right. All right. So here's the question then, because I'm just listening. If I'm thinking 20 to one, 20 and one, the favorites were yesterday. There's no way that can happen again today. It just can't, number one. And then number two, the point spread tax for the favorites is going up. Why am I not taking the underdogs today? For, for Steve, I'll start with you, Steve, on this one. You combine those two factors that the point spreads are going up because of what happened yesterday, but also just the law of averages and the law. I mean, you guys both said unprecedented. So why am I not putting money on a bunch of dogs today? Because it's possible that the betting marketplace has missed something. In the NBA, what I think it possibly may have missed, I'm going to throw out it's possible there is a home court advantage. We're watching all these simulated crowd noise and fans behind simulated fans, you know, waving their hands before free throws and like, I'm not so confident anymore that the designated home team doesn't have a small home court advantage and the marketplace isn't pricing that hmm. at all. When it comes to baseball, Anyone who's been trying to make money betting underdogs is getting their teeth kicked in. So we, we talked before the season started, we talked about all the little guys. They got a real chance this year because it's only a 60 game schedule. But what we've seen happen is that the favorites aren't taking any games off. They know it's a sprint to the finish line. Um, how many times do you have to see the Boston Red Sox get annihilated game after game till you stop betting on them? There's a lot of dogs that are complete dogs like the Red Sox. I want no part of, I don't care that they didn't cover yesterday. They haven't covered, they haven't won in over a week. Hmm. So Sal, question yeah. for you. What, what do you think the reason is for the favorites in the NBA? I mean, do you think what Steve's saying? I mean, I don't understand. Do they only have the people waving behind the thing for the team that has the home home court advantage for that game? Is that what Steve's saying? Like. I what, do you have any, any any explanation for this? I don't know that there is a home court event. That's interesting. I had not heard that theory. That it kind of makes sense. I'll, I'll say, like, the inferior team is going to have – we were talking about this on Against All Odds. I think you, there's more potential for a sweep in a lot of these series because what you're going to see is the inferior team normally goes on – gets to go home games three and four. So let's take the Mavericks, for instance. They go home to Dallas. Mark Cuban screaming at the officials on the court. The crowd is riled up. Everyone's wearing white. You're not going to get that momentum. You're kind of going to be down 2 nothing playing on the same court. I'm, I'm just using this as an example. I don't even know that the Clippers win game two after how it went. But uh, I think 
in, in terms of speaking in those terms, I don't know if there's a home court advantage. I think you're kind of uh, you're kind of locked into where you are. I will say, Ross, I, I'm in your court. I'm a little more reckless than Steve. Based on the fact that the favorites all won yesterday, I almost want to take all the underdogs blindly because I get it. It's a new day and it starts over and yesterday was a fluke. But how many times have you lost five hands in a row in blackjack? You brought up blackjack earlier. How many times have you lost five hands? You really think you have a 50-50 chance on the sixth hand? Like, yes, you do. But I know I don't. <laughs> I know I don't. So if I'm hitting uh, underdogs all, uh, all day on Tuesday – then, uh, then I've made worse decisions. Steve, any other any other NBA thoughts? Well, I want to talk about the memoryless prop uh, property in the casinos because these casinos, I think, it costs like ten thousand dollars on a roulette wheel to display the history of the numbers. Hmm. But yet casinos go ahead and invest in that. Why? Because they know it's memoryless. They know the wheel is unbiased, but they know that there's people that are going to see eight blacks in a row. And some people, because of that, are going to want to bet black. And some people are going to want to bet red for whatever reason. And because of that, it's a good investment for the casino to pay for that display, even though, of course, roulette, it does not matter what has happened in the past. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's like, oh, there's been eight blacks in a row. I'm going to ride that. Or there's been eight blacks in a row. It's got to be red. Yeah. That, that makes sense. So that was your way, Steve. That was like a really nice, subtle way of you saying that Sal and I are both stupid again. Like that was genius right there. You like the theories that Sal and I have, Sal and I both said, yeah, we hear the numbers, Steve, but but I'm still gonna do this. That was like your way of being like, yeah, Sal Ross, I heard you both twice now. And this is the nicest way I can say you're still being stupid and you're still looking at it the wrong way. You know, Sal actually said something that was, not intuitive at all, and it's somewhat brilliant that if you're not card you. counting at blackjack, if yeah. you're on a winning streak in general, you shouldn't bet. The, the conventional wisdom says ride the streak, but the truth is, especially in a double deck or a single deck game, you should do the opposite. Why? Because if you've won four or five hands in a row, you've probably been getting 20s. The dealer's been busting with 10s. More often than not, the count is negative at that point. And you shouldn't be betting. And if you're getting shredded, the dealer is making his hands usually with small cards. And usually in a single or double deck game, if you've lost five blackjack hands in a row, the count is positive. So all things being equal, I would bet more in blackjack if I wasn't card counting on a losing than on a winning streak. Listen, I know Steve has data working for him, but all I know is when I go to the casino and it's 530 in the morning and they're vacuuming under my feet, um, because I've lost 11 in a row, I'm not very confident on the 12th hand. I just, I just know I ride cold streaks and hot streaks, and I kind of believe in them, and it may be silly as, as far as professional gambler go, but I just know how I am. <laughs> so, I, And I know this. I don't know that much about the other sports when it comes to betting, so I listen to guys like you. I also check out the BetQL app or go to BetQL.com. They now have BetQL.com, by the way. Their best bet algorithm scans hundreds of data points to give you a best bet recommendation. Not as good as Steve and I's best bets for NFL, but still best bet recommendation for every game and gives you the reasoning behind why you should place the best. Even if you just want to read and see what their reasoning is or their logic, go to betql.com, enter code ROSS20 
for 20% off your first payment or get the BetQL app on your phone. BetQL is who gives you the information to know who you should bet. And then DraftKings is where you actually bet. Anything else on NBA, Sal or Steve? Actually, you know what? While we're on it, Steve, your thoughts on Sal and the overs with it seeming like all these, like Damian Lillard is averaging 79.2 points a game. Like (laughs) your thoughts on the, on the bubble overs, Steve. Yeah, it's interesting. You've got um, certainly scoring has been higher than expected. And now the wise guys like to play unders in the playoffs. I know we went two and two to the over under yesterday, uh, you might argue that if Porzingis hadn't gone out of the game, maybe we would have gotten to three and one. But it sure looks like the lack of crowd noise is helping the offenses. And in terms of individuals, I, I think selectively playing the stars to go over makes a whole lot of sense because bottom line is if they're setting the numbers based upon what players average during the regular season, the minutes are going to go way up and you're going to see guys like Donovan Mitchell just go nuts with a depleted team. And it is rarely wrong if you have anybody out not to play the star to go over because the marketplace just isn't adjusting enough for higher minutes and, and more shots taken by the stars. Yeah. What about, Sal, what about the idea that it's like, all right, we're not winning this series anyway. I, I don't know how the end – I wish I knew how the NBA playoff money worked. But it's like we're not winning this series anyway. To your point, Sal, we're not going back in front of our home crowd and trying to get rallied up. Like, all right, I did the bubble thing. I got the rest of my money for the year. We got to the first series. I, I mean, I think they get the money for the series, not per game. Maybe I'm wrong. I guess I just wonder if there's a chance that that it might not be uh, quite playoff-like intensity for some of these lower-seeded teams in the bubble, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I think you should have one of the Brooklyn Nets on as a guest, and they could confirm this because it seems like they got the wrong memo. Like, hey, yeah, we, we just signed up for the regular season. I thought we could go home after this. Uh, we're going to lose in four to Toronto here. But, yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, the whole opting out thing, you know, there's it, it doesn't seem to matter as much to a lot of these players, and it's understandable. But, like, a guy like Mike Conley remembers that his wife is giving birth. Like, did he – he left the bubble. He left his team. I get it. It's not like Utah is going to be able to draft anyone in his place. But now they're kind of screwed without him. And I don't know if he counted on like a 15-month pregnancy out of his wife. Like, ah, she'll hold off until I get back. But the fact that he just kind of left in the middle of everything is weird. And I have to think that some of the players have to be annoyed while they're not showing their frustration. I have to think that it's tough to get the same level of intensity uh, across the board for an NBA roster or any of these bubble rosters for that matter. All right, Steve and Sal, anything else, NBA, NHL, MLB, before we move on to a little bit of football talk, anything else either from either one of you guys? Well, I think that Sal brings up a great point about motivation, and I think we should look at these game fours. I think we're going to see some significant mail-in jobs. Historically, a team that's down 3-0 already – does terrible versus games one through three. Because remember, when a team's down 2-0, they come back home to their home fans, and that's the home run game to try to get back in the series. And then it's time to pack the golf clubs when you're down 3-0. But I think stuck in the bubble, everybody wants to go home that's a non-competitive team. 
when they're down 3-0, I think we're going to see happy action, fun time up and down the court, and we're going to see the favorites and the overs in these game fours on these 3-0 series. I'll throw some NHL um, nonsense at you. Again, nothing I say is backed by data, but I feel like laying the puck and a half is a way to go even more now in the playoffs than it is in the regular season. Even you can get a favorite giving two and a half goals because it seems like these teams down two to one late will pull their goalie with four minutes left and we'll leave the goalie out of there until the end of the game. So we're seeing four, one finals, five, one finals. Conversely, I wouldn't take a goal and a half. I don't think it makes sense. You could have your team play well for 58 minutes. It's tied two two. Then they give one up and then they pull their goalie and they lose by two or three. So Check the puck and a half. Check the puck lines. I, I love giving a uh, puck and a half rather than taking one and a half. Steve, give me the math. Is Sal full of crap or is that is that a decent idea? No, Sal's correct because let's face it, the odds makers, and frankly, sometimes the odds makers get um, way too much credit. I'm a, pro, a professional better. And I got to tell you, most of the pro betters I know do not think highly of most of the odds makers. Why? Mm. Because very, very best in the business, make their living betting sports, not booking it. All right. So just, um, and maybe I'm a little biased on that sense. And there are some super sharp odds makers, but the bottom line is uh, cousin Sal says he doesn't have the conversion chart, but everyone uses the same conversion chart. If the total is six and a team is minus 170 on the money line, they'll convert to the puck line and they'll use that for the regular season or for the playoffs. But what Sal says makes complete sense. During the regular season, maybe they pull their goalie with a minute 40 left. I don't know. I don't watch hockey. But now if they're going to pull their goalie with three minutes left or three and a half minutes left, obviously it's more likely that uh, that team's going to win by two than one. And that puck line adjustment just using the chart is not going to be correct. Right. Okay, good. I got one right. (laughs) (laughs) I followed your logic. And that made perfect sense to me. And it dry, you know, that's why I always tell people what, you know, Steve and I, we literally sell before we make our first official NFL bets for the season, we literally give a speech every year. Like this is hard. You know what I mean? Like this is not easy. And the thing I always tell people that's the flaw in it is that like when you're a player, you're not trying to make sure you win by four and a half points. Right. You're just trying to make sure you win. So I always get in this argument with Steve. I, I, I'm worse sometimes in the money line because at least then I know our interests are aligned. Whereas like coaches don't care if they win just by two or hit the number three. Like they're not looking at it that way. So what have you, Steve, what do you always say to me when I say that? It's just because the, the, they, they give too much juice on the uh, money line. It's not worth it. Yeah, the bid-ask differential is what kills me. So you get a – it's fine, like, on a three-point favorite in the NFL. You're laying um, on the money line minus 160, take back plus $1.40. So you've got that 20-cent differential, minus 160 plus 140. But when you get a seven-point favorite in the NFL, now you're looking at the favorites minus 310. The dog is only plus 240. That dastardly bookie takes so much vig on these money line bets – that it is just rarely correct to try to make money either laying it or taking it. Because imagine the correct number is minus 275 slash plus 275, a no big number. You're getting reamed for 30 cents plus on both sides of the bet. No, thank you. Well, and Steve's right. Like they, you know, imagine, I think the way they look at it is like, okay, you want to bet the Patriots money line, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady's 
money line Patriots. Okay. They go 12 and four, 13 and three every year. We're going to make it hurt every three, every time they get the three or the four, we have to make it hurt every time there's a loss for it to be worth it for us to take that bet. So yeah. And, and look at, look at Milwaukee, Orlando, of course, Milwaukee is going to win. Milwaukee got to risk a hundred dollars to make a dollar. So yeah. how much do I, if I bet back Orlando? Well, nothing because they're going to lose. But you think, oh, what do I do? What do I get? 60 to 1, 71? No, I get 16 to 1. Right. I mean, talk about being cheated. No, thank you. Yeah. So, Sal, now you know why Steve's my co-host. <laughs> every time I think I have, like, a good idea, like, I want money line because the interests are aligned and, like, they're not going to pull the goalie. because uh, Steve always sets me straight. Speaking of that, by the way, last thing I'll mention NBA free live bet. Get a free live bet every day of the first round of the NBA playoffs. Any day you place $20 plus in NBA bets, you get a $10 free live bet from my dudes over at DraftKings. And at MLB, you get 10% of your bets back in free bet value when betting on MLB this weekend. Plus, if sportsbook's not available in your state yet, which that sucks for you guys, don't forget about the DraftKings Fantasy app. They're offering millions of dollars in total prizes every day this week with the playoff smorgasbord. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code Ross when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Think about that. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter code Ross when you sign up only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Disclaimer, boys. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey and NRPA only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match. Each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 sizes to play through. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or an Indiana 109-with-it or tweet at the Cousin Sal. If you have a gambling problem, Sal, give me a, give me an NFL bet you're loving right now. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm loving Patriots and Bucks under. <laughs> I think wow, you know, both of them, both of them. Interesting. Well, and first of all, my I, I think this is wrong. They shouldn't. I I I thought maybe it would be fun for a while if Belichick and Brady split up, but now I have two teams I have to hate. Right, every year I pick up another team. I have to hate, and now that's the Tampa Bay Bucks, and I think everybody has sucked all the value out of that that team. Let's not forget Tom Brady. I don't know the same people that were poo pooing his career. It's over. He ended with a pick six against Tennessee. Like this could be it. Now it's like, all right, he's going to this place where, you know, he's not a pass happy quarterback. I don't want to say he's a game manager, but I don't think he makes the difference in Tampa Bay. And guess what? That's still a good division. I like Atlanta to come out of that division at seven to one odds. So I would take Atlanta in the uh, NFC South. I was going to take the Jets as my team for the AFC East, because why not? Um, I also think the coach of the year will come out of that division. So if you want to hit all four, but then the Jets best play, two of the three best players, one of them opted out, one of them was traded. So I'm, uh, I'm off of that a little, but I think New England under, what is it, Steve? Nine and a half wins or nine? Is it nine exactly? It's nine, but shop around. I know in Jersey there were still some like under nine abs, lay a dollar forty that were still sitting out there. And but nine is the market number, and I agree. You've got to question what's going on in the locker room when fifteen to I think it's fifteen percent of the NFL players that are opting out all play for the Patriots. Right. I think the Patriot way is fine if you're winning a championship. All that extra work 
and the like. But when you're playing for a wild card berth, not nearly as uh, appealing to the players. Right, and let's not forget their defense shined last year, but it, uh, mostly because of they played the first nine teams on their schedule were not playoff teams. So when they were allowing seven, eight, nine points a game, it made sense. And then the schedule caught up to them. Now it's catching up to them for the whole 2020 season. I think eight and eight would be a success story for Bill Belichick with this squad. So I would go under there. Wow, that's really interesting because most people – it's like, okay, Brady's gone, but it's mainly Belichick. Belichick's the brains. I'm going Patriots over. They got Cam. Or, all right, Brady's the man. It was always he was the main reason for the success, not Belichick. So I'm going Bucks over. It's interesting, Sal, just to hear you say, no, it was like the combo of them, and I'm going under on both. Yeah, I just don't feel – I don't know. Maybe it's um, just more fun to, to root against uh, Belichick and Brady, but um, I kind of think Belichick is, is, is paint-by-numbers here. I think he was set to go with Stidham, was set to go with Hoyer, and then it's like his draft dog stepped in and was like, no, 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 we need someone capable, someone who's thrown more than four passes in his career um, you know, to light up this offense. And I don't know that Cam Newton's the answer. I think they're going to go back and forth there. But um, – I don't know. I just I wish the Jets and the Dolphins was a little bit better. If the Patriots obviously go four and zero against those teams, forget my over run. There's going to be blown out of the water probably. But if they go three and one, two and two, which I think is more likely, I'm leaning on the under. Sal, you're a Cowboys guy, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling about? I mean, I, whirlwind week where you get Everson yeah. Griffin, which is huge, but then Gerald McCoy. I, did you see the video, by the way, of how Gerald McCoy tore his uh, – No, I didn't. Oh, my God. He, he literally, Sal, he's standing there like – he wasn't holding a dummy, but he's standing there, and it's a drill for the other guy. The other guy is coming out – like it's a D-line drill where they come out of the chute and they, they pretend like they hit the offensive lineman. So Gerald McCoy is just standing there. Like the fake offensive lineman, and I don't know who 99 is, but 99 hits him, stabs him, and McCoy just kind of standing there, and all of a sudden he's just like, ah! And he, I mean, it's a rare way for uh, a guy to tear their quad tendon. I mean, it was like, it, it was one of the most unique. It's somebody had it on Twitter this morning. You got to check it out because it's like, wait a minute, that's how that's how he tore his quad tendon. Just standing there and having a guy give him a one-arm stab? Yeah, well, that's the Cowboys' way, right? We had uh, we had bragging rights for four days. Jerry Jones, basically the MVP of the league in the preseason, signs Everson Griffin. If you look to what had to happen for him to sign Griffin, one of the top defenders for $6 million for one year, it's insane that he fell into our laps. Um, and then the fact, you know, C.D. Lamb, I, I just think that that offense, I think you're going to have to score – 40, 45 to beat them a lot of weeks. And, you know, really, trust me, I'm a Cowboys fan, but it's usually doom and gloom. I'm usually down on them. But what are they, plus 110 to win the division? I think that's a solid bet heading into September. Steve, here's a question for you, because Steve does head coach rankings, which he looks at highly when placing his bets. What do you, um, Where do you have Mike McCarthy, or at least where did he finish up maybe when he was in Green Bay for you? And how does that compare to Garrett? Because the thing I think is interesting is if you talk to Cowboys fans, I don't know, Sal, if you feel this way or not, but if you talk to Cowboys fans, in their mind, Jason Garrett is the worst coach in the history of the sport, 
and Mike McCarthy is Vince Lombardi. And I'm just like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Like, there's a reason why he got fired in Green Bay. And Garrett, like the last four years, went to the divisional round twice, you know, with a rookie Dak Prescott. I mean, they were winning playoff games. Like, it's not like he's that bad of a coach. So I'll let you chime in, Sal, uh, after Steve gives yeah, us his Garrett. Where did Garrett finish for you? And where's McCarthy, Steve? I only have a top 10 for coaches. So maybe that's because I don't want to piss all these coaches off. But I can tell you, McCarthy would barely crack the top 20, way too conservative in his play calling, but he'd still be above Garrett, who clearly is not in the top 20. Mm, well, that's acceptable. I'll take that. Yeah, I don't think, I really didn't care who they replaced Jason Garrett with. I just think they weren't winning with him. Like, Rod, you could say that he took them to a divisional round and won with a rookie, but. Did they ever win a game because of him? Did they really – was it ever like a, a something something that he came up with, uh, like a, as far as the eye could see? Was there any ever scheming that he did that propelled them to the top of a game? I think you can count on one hand, and probably if you had three fingers blown up in a fireworks accident, you could still count on one hand how many times he won a game for the team. And I just think it was enough, and, you know – Kudos to Jerry for letting it go. They weren't winning a championship with this game. Mike McCarthy, maybe the game has passed him by, but we needed to see a little something, a little change at the top. There was literally a Dallas-Green Bay playoff game where there were four errors, two on each side, clear-cut clock management, timeout, play-calling errors on both sides, and somebody had to win that game. It was a train wreck. Yeah, which one was that? Was that the Aaron Rodgers tiptoe sideline one, or wasn't the wasn't the uh, it was a catch game, right? I mean, it was. A, I don't even recall. Both sides were scoring back and forth. Yeah, yeah, it was the Rodgers one. Yeah, 38-35, I think. They yeah. never should have lost that game. Yeah, I mean, that's actually they shouldn't have lost either one of those games. Terrible. And think about it: if they win either one of those, they're in the NFC Championship game. And people look at Garrett maybe a little bit differently. And McCarthy sure. not the coach in, in Dallas right now. It's pretty crazy. All right, here's the deal. Check out Sal on Twitter, at the Cousin Sal. That way you can get all over the Extra Points Podcast Network. If you want a little more sports betting in your life, Sal's a great guy to do it. Hopefully I'll be on that show. Yes, you will. Weeks would be awesome because – yeah, yeah, Damashek. I mean, that's my guy. What does Damashek know about betting? I'll, <laughs> I'll assassinate Damashek on betting. He doesn't know anything about food. He certainly doesn't know anything about betting. <laughs> I um, love this discussion. I welcome you on our show anytime. And uh, yes, uh, I look forward to your thoughts on uh, crawlers versus donuts. It's going to be interesting. Nice. That'll do it, everybody. Good luck. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.